It is exciting to be here. I'm just incredibly excited about getting to open up the Word tonight. Um, so I, I was listening. I was listening today to Drew's teaching from last Wednesday uh, to figure out if there's anything I needed to tie in with or whatever. And he got to a part where he said, "You know, this is where Nate normally starts doing this thing." And I'm listening to it, and I'm not watching it, but I'm sitting there driving in the car, thinking, "What thing?" And he says, "You know, he rocks back and forth." And I'm sitting there thinking, "No, I don't." And then I walked, went back and watched it on Facebook, and I was like, oh, yeah, I do. Uh, but anyway, so tonight would be one of those nights where I would be rocking back and forth, not because uh, it's intimidating in its material, but because it's intimidating in its breadth. And the, the stuff we get to cover tonight is just so incredible and I think has so much relevance for our lives that we want to, uh, we want to give it the weight it deserves. And so we're going to try and do that. We're going to try and still do that in... Uh, a reasonable time frame, but we're going to go for it. So tonight, if you like a, a game plan, we're going to shoot for chapters 12 and 13. That's uh, the most promise I'll make as far as where we go. But Lord, let's, let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for the opportunity and the privilege to be in your presence as a group of believers, to open up your word and know that it still has application, that it's still speaking to us, and that, uh, that you still have a plan for our lives. God, you're invested in our present not just our futures, and we thank you for that. We pray that, uh, that you would speak to us, that you'd open our eyes to comprehend this passage of Scripture, and that you would just be glorified in our midst. And it's in your name we pray, amen. So let's do this. We're going to read the first 11 verses, and then we'll go back and basically we'll do a Scott Murphy-level introduction, okay? So chapter 12, verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So this passage is in its own right straightforward, but it's been interpreted so many different ways over the years that in order to really look at it, we're going to have to zoom pretty far out. Okay, So we're just going to kind of go back to the beginning, okay? There's God. God exists in three persons. We know them as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We know the Son by the name of Jesus Christ, um, but it's the Trinity. They're all very separate and distinct. They have different roles and an authority structure, but they're all one, and it's one of the mysteries of Christianity that we do not fully understand, but we accept it, okay? Specifically tonight, we're going to be looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and so who is the Holy Spirit? And what is his role? So a couple of things as we're just kind of getting into it. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not an it, okay? And it it matters. It bears a lot of, uh, there's a lot of ripple effects that are going to come out from that, all right? If you have this idea the Holy Spirit is like an electrical current in your house, then, you know, it's kind of hit or miss whether or not it's going to be good or bad. You stick your finger in it and it's bad. You plug the fridge in it and it's good. Uh, But the Holy Spirit is a person, he is a he. He is not an it. And I was listening to a teacher this week. He said, if you think that's 
uh, a small difference. Just refer to your wife as the it for a week and see what happens. And uh, there's a difference between a person and an object. And so the Holy Spirit is a person who is working alongside God the Father and God the Son. So the Holy Spirit does a couple things. He saves us. Okay, the blood of Jesus pays the price for our sins, but the Holy Spirit cleanses us. And uh, again, you know, which, how does that work when God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all God, but they're all separate? You know, uh, I'm not sure, but it's okay. But it's how the scripture de- describes the role. The Holy Spirit does a couple other things, though, and we really need to, to lock on to these tonight, okay? So flip over, if you would, to the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 12. Jesus is speaking at the Last Supper, and he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. And Jesus at the Last Supper is trying to encourage his disciples. Hey, I'm getting ready to die. And then after that, I'm getting ready to actually go away. But it's actually better for you. Jesus is giving the disciples a heads up. The Holy Spirit is going to come. He's going to fill you with power. And that's actually better than having me standing here physically with you side by side. And that can be hard for us to grasp, but Jesus declares it. But he, in that passage, declares the role of the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus to us, to glorify Jesus Christ, okay? So when the Holy Spirit is working, the net result is that Jesus Christ will be glorified. And that is, that's incredibly important because we're gonna see all these different things tonight listed as things that the Holy Spirit does. And most of us have either seen or heard of a situation where something was being done under the name of this, and it was not about glorifying Jesus Christ. It was about promoting a person or a ministry or making somebody look awesome, and that's not the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did not, is not dwelling in you so that you can look awesome. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in you so that Jesus Christ can be glorified. And so that's the role. The other thing the Holy Spirit does, and this is important, is he empowers us. Acts chapter two, verse 38, we're gonna basically, Peter at this point, uh, this is the day of Pentecost, the disciples have all been filled with the Holy Spirit, they've been speaking in tongues, and Peter stands up and delivers a sermon, he's, he's delivering a testimony of here's what God has done, and the people say, well, what do we need to do to be saved? And verse 38 of Acts chapter two, Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission or the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So Peter says, what do you need to do? You need to repent and believe, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this gift, he specifies, is promised to you and to your children and to everyone who is far off, as many people as will believe. And that's really critical for us to understand because there's a teaching that goes around uh, sort of the collective church that's very common today that says the gifts of the Spirit were given by God <coughs> excuse me, to basically jumpstart the early church. And the book of Acts is really the anomaly in how the church functions. But Peter tells us that the promise of the Holy Spirit, the gifting of the Holy Spirit, 
is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as believe. If you're in this room and you believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then the gift of the Holy Spirit is for you. And it's relevant. And, as we, and we see, and we've covered this, uh, covered this last year when we went through the book of Acts. We've covered it a little bit earlier this year when we were in Romans chapter 8. But the Holy Spirit has a couple different functions in how he interacts with our lives. Okay, In the, the scriptures we use a couple different prepositions to describe his relationship with us. Okay, well the first one is with. The Holy Spirit is with us, and the scriptures say that he's with us and he's convicting us of sin and righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit, anytime somebody has says, references the idea of having a conscience, more or less what they're referring to is the presence of the Holy Spirit with them, alongside them, steering them into truth, pushing them, prodding them, and this is right, this is wrong, do this, don't do that. The Holy Spirit is with that person. The Holy Spirit can also be in a person. That happens at the moment of salvation. The Holy Spirit now comes into your heart. He has basically snatched you from the grip of the enemy. You're now saved. You're a child of God. You're cleansed. You're holy in God's eyes. But there's another preposition, and that is upon. And these are all specific prepositions in Greek. This isn't just part of the English translation. Uh, Upon is the idea of being overflowed, being continually filled up with the power of God. And so sometimes... And upon relationship of the Holy Spirit comes at the moment of salvation. Sometimes it comes later. In the case of the disciples, in the end of the book of John, Jesus tells them, receive the Holy Spirit. And it says the Holy Spirit comes in them. And in the book of Acts, he says, wait for the Holy Spirit. And a chapter later, we're told that the Holy Spirit comes upon them. So they were saved, and then they received power. And so we're looking, when the Holy Spirit is working in the life of a believer, there's the process of sort of convicting them and bringing them to the Lord saving them, and then empowering them to live a victorious life, empowering them to live a life that isn't always marked by struggling with sin, but to live a life that's marked by fellowship with God, with the presence of the Lord moving in our lives, okay? So that's what Paul is, that's what we're going to be covering tonight as Paul's writing this letter to the Corinthian church. But we're going to look at, basically he's going to outline there are some gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. In the book of Galatians, there are, Paul refers to the fruits of the Spirit, And just if you're walking with the Spirit, these things are just going to come out of your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all these things, they're just going to be present. And if you are walking in the Spirit, they will be there in your life. Tonight what we're going to look at is the gifts of the Spirit. And this is a little bit different. And they're sometimes given in specific times and specific seasons for specific ministry opportunities. Sometimes a person will receive a gift of the Holy Spirit and it tends to work for their entire life. Sometimes it's more of a one-time thing, okay? But we're going to read these things, and we need to just remember who the Holy Spirit is. And we've got to kind of just do that 30,000-foot view, because otherwise we dive in, and we're like, who are we talking about, right? But remember, the Holy Spirit's role is to glorify Jesus Christ. And so when we read about gifts of the Spirit, and we listen to some of these things, and you know, Paul will talk about the gift of prophecy, and the gift of speaking in tongues, and some of these things— That can intimidate us if we're not careful. But if the purpose is to glorify Jesus Christ, seeing Jesus Christ glorified should never be scary, right? Seeing Jesus Christ exalted, coming to know Jesus Christ more should never be a scary thing for us. And so we don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to be afraid of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We can say, I want these in my life because I want Jesus Christ to be more revealed and more active in my life. So Paul's writing. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. 
There's a couple things that Paul would tell the church not to be ignorant in over time. He would tell them not to be ignorant regarding what's happened to Israel, not to be ignorant in spiritual gifts, and not to be ignorant in the end times, which is somewhat ironic because those are sort of the three things that the church historically has most struggled with. <coughs> Excuse me again. But he says, You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. How can you tell if the Holy Spirit's working in your life? If you're declaring that Jesus Christ is God, the Holy Spirit is working in your life. And if you're, if you're able to say, Jesus Christ is Lord, and mean it sincerely, then the Holy Spirit is at work. And so then these things that we're going to discuss are available to you as a believer. So verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversity, diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Paul's going to give us this list. He's going to say there are different gifts here. And as we get through them, we'll see not every Christian is going to have every single gift. Okay? And he's saying that's okay. Remember, the gifts of the Spirit are meant to glorify who? Jesus Christ. They're not meant to glorify us. And so if there's a gift that like, well, you know, if I had this gift, I would just be so awesome. Well, you don't need that gift, right? If it, and so we're looking at that. Um, yeah, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And we're just going to kind of slow down and we're going to go through these all one at a time and just basically try and explain them as much as we can. Uh, for the one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. The gift of a word of wisdom. All right, this is basically when you understand something that you couldn't understand. When, when you're in, whether it's in a situation or a conversation, and you're like, you know what? I know the solution is. And, and you shouldn't know what the solution is from a logical standpoint. This is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you're in a conversation with somebody and just, the, you know, there's a verse that comes to your mind. You're like, I haven't read that verse in months. But you know what? I think this verse applies to your situation. And that's a word of wisdom. It's through the Spirit going on to another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. It's a different gift, but it's the same Spirit of God glorifying Jesus Christ. A word of knowledge is when you know something that you can't know. Wisdom is what you do with knowledge. Knowledge is the facts. And if you... Uh, if someone has the gift of knowledge, sometimes they'll know something and it's like, hey, look, this might sound crazy, but I think this is happening in your life. And there's no reason they should know it, but they're exactly right. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, why? To glorify Jesus Christ. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Notice how many times Paul's emphasizing that these are all gifts of the same Spirit. Okay, the gift of faith. The gift of faith is the ability to walk in what God is promising. And we sometimes think of faith as massive confidence, right? The more faith you have, the more confidence you have. That's not necessarily true. Faith does not equal confidence. Faith equals obedience, right? Faith is, I believe in the word of God enough to walk in it. And it may not actually be that I'm just like, you know, yeehaw, let's, let's go. And maybe I am actually, um, there's a chance I'm going to die and I'm probably going to die but you know what the Word of God says to do it. And so I'm going to do it. That's faith. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will give us a supernatural gifting of faith, just more obedience than we could normally possibly walk in. More of that ability to say, you know what, this is what the Word of God says. And the gift of faith is incredibly 
helpful in using these other gifts. Because sometimes there's a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge and you're in a situation where you're like, I know what's going on in this person's life. And I feel an obligation to tell them, but if I'm wrong, I'm going to look so stupid. And then what do you do? You pray for the gift of faith. God, if you're giving me this word of knowledge, give me the faith to say what needs to be said, to have the, the obedience to walk in what you're telling me, not, again, not so that I look awesome, but so that Jesus Christ is glorified. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. Gifts of healings. You can pray for someone and they get healed. The Lord loves to heal people. And sometimes we just, we can sort of trivialize that in our, in our world today. Because, well, you know, I would pray for healing, but really I can just take an ibuprofen. Or I would pray for healing, but really I'll just get an appointment for next Thursday. Right? And there's nothing, and there's nothing don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong inherently with doctors or medicine or, you know, trying to understand the science behind how certain pathogens work or bacterias or whatever. But as believers, it shouldn't always be our automatic first line of defense. Our first line of defense should be maybe the Holy Spirit wants to glorify himself and heal this person, right? I had a situation um, last month. I was in Thailand. There was a lady in the church. We're taking prayer requests, and she said, hey, my brother just had a major stroke, and the doctor's, he's, he's unresponsive, so we're not really sure. You, know, you can't talk to him to determine exactly how big it is. The doctors think there's another big one coming. And so we prayed for him. The whole church prayed for this guy. And a couple of days later, she says, you know, it's a funny thing. He must have screwed up his meds or something, but the doctor said he didn't actually have a stroke. And uh, he's totally clear he's good to go. Now, it could be that he screwed up his meds. That's possible. But you don't usually go from, I'm not a doctor, right? Thank God. Uh, but you don't go from having a stroke to not having a stroke very often, Right? You don't go from, I'm, I had a major stroke, I'm unresponsive, and I've got another big one coming, to, no, you're totally fine. Don't know what we picked up on the scan, but you're good to go. That's a gift of healing. That's the Holy Spirit working in that situation to glorify Jesus Christ. To another, pro, working of miracles. This is, you know, sometimes a miracle is a gift of healing. Sometimes a miracle is watching the Lord provide financially, provide just the emotional strength for a situation or a relationship. It's a miracle. Uh, you know, sometimes it's deliverance. Um, you know, I mean, there are people who have weird stories about the time they almost died in a car accident, but, you know, something happened. I don't know. It was kind of weird. And the car swerved and I didn't die. And sometimes that's, that's the working of a miracle. And we can try and rationalize it. Or we can say, you know what? This is the gift of the Holy Spirit meant to glorify Jesus Christ. To another, prophecy. Prophecy is an interesting gift because we think of it sort of in one sense, but really it has two senses. And, and I say this because when we look at the Old Testament prophets, we see really two separate things. And one is foretelling. One is when a prophet stands up and says, hey, this is what's going to happen. The virgin will conceive and bear a son, right? And you will call his name Emmanuel. That's prophecy. But as you read the prophets in the Old Testament, a huge portion of it is not devoted to that. What's it devoted to? It's devoted to saying, hey, here's the will of God for you right now. It's, some people say it's, there's foretelling and forthtelling. There's telling what's going to happen. That can be a gift of prophecy. But there's also telling, here's what God wants you to do. Here's the will of God for your life. And that's, an, that's a gift that 
We'll get into it. We're going to unpack uh, next week. We're going to go into prophecy and tongues a lot more because chapter 14, Paul gets into them. But it's a gift that's going to not only glorify Jesus Christ, but also going to edify the body, right? When someone receives a prophecy and says, wow, that is exactly what I needed to hear. The Lord's been kind of, you know, hint, you know, I've been sensing that maybe the Lord was trying to say that and what you just said just really confirmed it. That's an amazing gift to edify the body of Christ. Um, to another, discerning of spirits. So sometimes you are in a conversation with somebody and something is just not right. You ever had that situation? And I can't quite put my finger on it, but this conversation is not going the right direction, Right? Or this person is just not in the right situation. That's a discerning spirit. That's the Holy Spirit giving you supernatural discernment. There aren't external factors that you could cue into, right? And, and psychiatrists try and sometimes figure this out. Well, it's like there's this, I just had this whole thing one time about like your face makes these changes faster than a camera can pick them up. And so your subconscious reads them even though a camera can't. And so that's how a real good psychiatrist can tell if someone's thinking about committing suicide. I'm not sure that that's totally true. I'm not going to say it's not because I'm not smart enough to know. But um, the Holy Spirit can give you discernment to say, you know what, there are no external factors right now, but there's something going on. There's a, there's, this person is either living a lie or there's something really uh, just, this person needs to grow in a certain area and I, I need to love this person, but I really can't trust this person. There's, sometimes there's a gift from the Holy Spirit for that. To another, different kinds of tongues and to another, the interpretation of tongues. Tongues, again, we'll get into it next week more. But basically, the gift of tongues is the gift to praise the, Holy, to praise the Lord in a language that you don't know. And, and to declare praise to God without fully understanding what you're saying. The gift of interpretation of tongues is the ability, when someone stands up with the gift of tongues, to say, oh, I know what they said, even though I don't speak that language. And the gift of tongues, um, yeah, we'll save it for next week. That'd be more fun. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So we're looking at the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, and, I'm, and as a church, you need to understand, we believe in these gifts. We believe that these gifts are real. We believe that these gifts are active and that they are relevant for today. Now, with that being said, the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit, the, per, the role of the Holy Spirit is what? to reveal Jesus Christ. And so I believe these gifts are in action all the time. I believe they're in action all the time in this church. But I think a lot of times we might not always pick it up because if a person is walking in the Holy Spirit and they have a gift that they're gonna exercise properly, there's not this big need to make a show out of it, right? If you get a word of wisdom for somebody, you can just say, hey, you know what? This Bible verse just popped into my head, and I'm wondering if it applies to your situation. You don't have to say, I'm getting a word from the Lord for you, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now, and he is saying to go read this chapter and verse. You don't have to do that. You can just say, hey, you know what? I had a thought. If you have a word of knowledge, same deal. You don't have, your voice doesn't have to change. It, it just doesn't. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit can speak with a Midwest accent. And we sometimes have this idea that he can't. But he totally can. These gifts are in operation. Okay, like every Wednesday night, I pray before I'm up here teaching for the gift of teaching, for the gift of prophecy, 
for the gift of the word of wisdom and a word of knowledge and the gift of faith. I'm praying for these gifts because when I'm teaching, I want the Holy Spirit to be speaking. I don't ever want anybody, nobody should have to listen to Nate Murphy without the power of the Holy Spirit. That'd be an awful 40 minutes, right? Don't nod your head. That'd be an awful 40 minutes. But if the Holy Spirit is speaking, we can open the word of God together. And collectively, the Holy Spirit can speak to each one of us. And it's incredible how, you know, we can just go through two chapters and every single one of us can learn something totally different that applies to our situation. It's not because I'm awesome, because I'm not. It's because the Holy Spirit is working and glorifying Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is drawing us closer to the Lord. So, one, so he's making a point here. These gifts, they're all gifts from the Spirit. Now, these are not, this is not a comprehensive list. There's a list in Ephesians that has a couple other gifts referenced. There's a list in the book of Romans that has a couple other gifts referenced. So we're kind of, he's giving us an overview, okay? Um, but he's making up really a, he's, there's a point here specifically about the gifts of the Spirit and how they work in our lives. There's a broader point that Paul is making in Corinthians. And it's, and it's helpful to kind of back up and remember who he's writing to. He's writing to the Corinthian church. This is a very wealthy church. It's also a very immature church. This is a very carnal church. They're very self-focused. They're very, um, they just have, they have no real vision for what does the Lord want to do to glorify himself. And so Paul is writing this letter really to rebuke them and to sort of bring their exercising of the gifts of the Holy Spirit into an appropriate context. They're really the most charismatic out of all the churches that Paul's going to write to. And they're the ones that he's going to say, guys, tone it down. Because you are not right now glorifying Christ. You are glorifying yourselves and abusing the gifts of the Spirit to do that. So when we look at the gifts of the Spirit, and and I'm just prefacing before we jump into the next chunk, we need to remember too that the gifts are not a sign of spiritual maturity. Right? Someone having an impressive gift of the Holy Spirit is not proof that that person has an impressive relationship with the Lord. It's proof that the Holy Spirit is generous and he loves to give gifts. That he loves to give the opportunity to see Jesus Christ glorified and revealed. And so if you see someone with an amazing gift of the Holy Spirit, someone who can prophesy or speak in tongues or just has a, a word of knowledge, and you can be tempted to say, wow, that person is really spiritual. No, the Holy Spirit is really spiritual. And in the flip side, if you receive a, a quote-unquote impressive gift from the Lord, it does not make you awesome, it makes the Holy Spirit awesome. And if you don't, there are quiet gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, in Romans, Paul talks about the gift of mercy. Some people have a supernatural ability to show mercy to people. That rarely uh, draws attention. But it's an important gift. And so if you have a quiet gift from the Holy Spirit, one that doesn't get you a lot of prestige, don't ever take that as a sign of, well, I just, I'm not far enough from my relationship with the Lord to have the cool ones, right? That is not what Paul's emphasizing. He's, so he's, he's basically saying, look, here's roughly the gifts you guys have in your church. Now let's talk about the fact that you need to not start splitting yourselves into factions of who's got the good gifts and the okay gifts and the lame gifts. You need to be focused on glorifying Jesus Christ. So he's going to go on. Verse 12. And we're going to read, um, sorry, verse 12 through 26. For the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, 
are one body. So also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? I will pause there for a second. He's making a point. He says, you're all part of the body of Christ. The same Spirit of God is working in you. And you need to understand and appreciate that you are going to be part of the same body with different gifts. All right? How many Chris Perrys are in the room right now? One. How many parts does Chris Perry have? It's really awkward, isn't it? Technically, you could say he's just got one. He's got the Chris Perry body, right? But, uh, but how, many, how many body parts does Chris Perry have? Well, he's got an awful lot, right? I mean, he's got, you know, ten fingers, ten toes, I think. He's got a head, a nose, eyes, ears, mouth. He's got lungs and a heart and, you know, all those extra things down there in the middle. He's got a lot of, a lot of things going on. But how many Chris Perrys are in the room? Just one. And Paul's using here a really straightforward metaphor to say, look, you're the body of Christ. And if the foot says, you know, Chris's foot says, well, I'm just on a hand, so it's just not, it doesn't matter. I quit. Chris is going to suffer. If Chris's foot goes on strike, Chris has problems, right? If Chris's eye goes on strike because it's not big enough, it's going to suffer. And so he's making this point. The body is supposed to have different roles and different functions. And when we're looking at the role of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ, and how he manifests different gifts through different ones of us, that's for the sake and the purpose of a more complete body of Christ, right? It's to round out the picture. It's to make it a, a more complete image. Verse 20, but now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on those we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Remember that we said the gifts of the Spirit are not in and of themselves marks of spiritual maturity. They're marks of a generous God who loves to glorify Jesus Christ, right? Paul's making that point with this metaphor. He says, look, before you all get carried away on who's got the awesome gifts, let me make a point. And that is that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and the members which we think to be less honorable on those we bestow greater honor. The things of your body that you think you need or that you spend the most effort and time on are really the things that you don't need that much, right? Let's be frank. If every person in this room shaved their head, just like, right? The human race would continue just fine, right? I mean, we, we would make it. Uh, beanie sales would go up, but like collectively, we'd be okay. There are 
Um, how can I say this? There are other bodily functions we could remove that would create much greater long-term issues, right? And you think about how much time and effort and energy we devote to hair in our culture. And as a person who was long-haired until like three weeks ago, I've got some street cred on this, okay? Some of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, but I could have conversations with girls about hair, right? Like, what's your schedule? Do you towel dry it? Do you blow dry it? Is it conditioner? I mean, and this curly hair is totally different than straight hair. Like, how often you shampoo it is going to throw the whole schedule out of whack. Uh, there's a lot to consider here, right? Right. right thank you. You walk, down, you walk down the aisle of hair care products at Walmart, which I never did. I just sent my sisters down there. Um, I mean, there's a, whole, there's a whole row lined on both sides with things you can put on your hair to make it look good. How badly do you need your hair? You don't, right? I mean, it's, it's nice. Don't get me wrong. Men like when women have attractive hair. I'm not saying cut it off. But we don't need it, right? I've never had a conversation with somebody about what I do for my liver, right? Like, well, my liver's just a little curly lately, and the oils are so messed up. I'm thinking about changing my diet to see if I can alter it, and I'm going to wash it twice a week instead of three times a week. I've never had that discussion. I seriously doubt that I ever will. But if my liver gets cut off, I'm in serious trouble, right? I cut my hair off three weeks ago. I feel great. I am, I am so, like, I can take a shower in like a minute now. It's so amazing. If you cut my liver out, we've got serious issues. And Paul's making that point. He says, look, when you're looking at the gifts of the Spirit, don't underestimate the fact that you are capable of misassigning where the importance lies. The role of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus Christ. And so if someone has a gift of the Holy Spirit that seems impressive, and you start exalting that person, you're actually exalting the part of the body that doesn't need to be exalted. And as a result, you're going to create an unhealthy body. Right? Don't lose sight of that. When we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, look, the parts that get the honor are not really the parts that you need. So, you know, what do we want in the Holy Spirit? We want to see Jesus Christ revealed. Now, Paul will go on in chapter 14. He's going to say, oh, desire the spiritual gifts. Right? Desire that you prophesy. Desire that you speak in tongues. Pray to God that he gives you those gifts. But, Paul's making a really important point here, and he's going to go on as we get into chapter 13. He says, now, verse 27 of chapter 12, Now you are the body of Christ, and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? but earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet, I show you a more excellent way. Paul's saying, look, there's all these different gifts. There's all these different roles in the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit wants to work in you, and it may be in a different form than he works through somebody else. But desire all the gifts of God, right? I want to absorb everything that the Holy Spirit is offering me. I don't want to hold back because it feels awkward. I want to absorb it all, but Paul's making a point now. He's going to say, I'm going to show you something even better. And think about that for a second. Paul's getting ready to eat. I mean, we've just covered some pretty incredible things, right? The idea that the Holy Spirit can reveal something to you that you're not capable of knowing. The Holy Spirit can do that. That's incredible, right? That you can be in a situation and know what's going on in somebody's life because the Holy Spirit is telling you. It, it, it's so amazing. Paul says, look, there's something better. Chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels 
but have not love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Paul says it does not matter what kind of gifts you have. It does not matter what kind of abilities or skills or talents you have that you use in the service of the Lord if you don't have the love of Christ working in you. And you think about that for a second. You think about like, what he's saying here. Imagine being the person who gets to heaven and says, Lord, I did so much for you. I gave everything I had to the poor. I understood every prophecy in scripture. I gave my body. I gave my life. I gave my family. I let myself be burned and martyred. Look at all I've done. And you look back and there's nothing there. And God says, you didn't have my love. And scripture tells us that the things we've done for ourselves will be burned up like wood and hay and stubble. And there are some things we can do in the name of Jesus Christ. And we'll look back at them someday and they will be gone if we do them without the love of God. And so desire, oh boy, desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. But Paul's going to say that is not the end all. The, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are wonderful. They are not the whole picture. Verse 4, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That is what we're striving for. That's the love of God, and that's what it ought to look like working through our lives. Okay? And so if you're ever wondering, how good are we? How, how, how close are we to, to perfection or whatever? If the love of God is supposed to be what defines us, put your name everywhere you see the word love. Nate, is, Nate suffers long and is kind. Nate does not envy. Nate does not parade himself. He's not puffed up. He doesn't behave rudely. He doesn't seek his own. He's not provoked. He thinks no evil. He doesn't rejoice in iniquity. He rejoices in the truth. He bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I can't say that. That right there is a lie, right? We are not there. But we have what? The gift of the Holy Spirit upon us empowering us like in romans chapter 8 right we have the promise that god sees us glorified god outside of time already sees us completed so yes we're going to stumble we're not going to live and walk in love perfectly but this is the call this is what we're called to verse 8 he goes on he says love never fails but where there are prophecies they will fail where there are tongues they will cease where there is knowledge it will vanish away for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. Paul's saying, listen, love is the thing that's going to endure. And the gifts of the Spirit will pass away. Because the gifts of the Spirit are designed to glorify Jesus Christ. Well, that's, that's phenomenal, right? I want to see Jesus Christ glorified. I want to have the gifts of the Spirit working in my life. But guess what? At some point in time, I'm going to be in heaven. I'm going to be with Jesus Christ. Scripture refers to it as, I'll be the bride of Christ. I'm going to be as close to Jesus Christ as is possible. I won't need uh, a gift of healing at that point. Right? I won't have anything to be healed from. 
I won't need a miracle at that point. I won't need a word of wisdom because all wisdom and knowledge are in Jesus Christ, right? The gifts will pass away. The love of God will not. And so that's what Paul's saying. He said, this is why the love of God is so important. When I was a child, verse 11, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now, abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Paul says, look, sometimes you outgrow things. Okay? When I was a child, I thought as a child, I spoke as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. I was thinking about this today. When I started riding a bike, I had training wheels. Right? Most of us probably did. That was about 20 years ago. I haven't ridden with training wheels in a really long time, right? Now, I needed them, right? I am thankful that my parents were kind enough to buy them for me. They were good parents who gave me good gifts, right, to teach me something that I needed to know. When I became a man, I left those things behind. And so, in a sense, I lost my training wheels. There's a loss in that relationship. But who cares, right? I mean, for crying out loud, I can ride a bike now, right? And when we're looking at the gifts of the Spirit, when we're looking at something even like marriage, the Scripture tells us, it's going to pass away. Not because we will somehow be in a state that's less than, but because we will have, it'll be so fulfilled that there's no need for it. And Paul says now, there's faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Think about this. Someday, I will have no need for faith. Someday I will have no need for hope. And, you, and that's kind of weird because those are such an important part of our existence here on earth, right? I have faith that the word of the Lord stands forever. I have hope that the promises of God are sure. But at some point in time, I'm not going to need either of those things. Why? Because I'm going to experience it. And it won't be, I hope God is good. It will be, I'm living in the goodness of God. It won't be, I hope the promises of God come to pass. It will be, I have watched them come to pass, right? Faith and hope are amazing things, but the love of God will grow and abound and increase and expand forever. And so when we look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, okay, there's a lot of backgrounds in this room, and I know it. Uh, there's a little, you know, there are some people who are just like, whoa, this is all a little much. Some people are like, whoa, dude, you should have said a little more. But this is how the gifts of the Spirit work. They glorify Jesus Christ, right? And they are an amazing gift. We should earnestly desire them. Chapter 14, Paul says, desire the best gifts. But what we desire more than that is the love of God. What we desire is the fruit of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is a, a deeper revelation of Jesus Christ, right? That's the function of of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so they're not, they're not, they don't have to be this scary thing. Read through the list. Pray and ask the Lord, God, I want to have every single one of these. And I want to have the faith to walk in every single one of these. I want to know you. I want to know the fullness of your power and the depth of your love. And then see what he does. And, and if he gives you a, a gift that you feel like you're a little bit out of your depth, pray for the gift of faith and go for it. Lord, we thank you for your word. And just the chance and the opportunity to dig into it, we pray that you would be glorified in our midst, that we would uh, increase in the love of Christ, that you would keep us there.
that we would just know you more and more, that we would fellowship with you. God, we want to love you more. We thank you. Uh, We are so thankful for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to us, to teach us about him and, and about just how you care for us and how you love us. But God, we pray that we would just grow, grow in love, grow in openness to your Holy Spirit, that we wouldn't shut him down just because we're not sure uh, we don't have enough experience with him. God, I pray we'd be open to whatever you want to do. So fill us up, God. We desire the best gifts. God, we pray for this church, that we'd be a church that's marked by words of wisdom, words of knowledge, the gift of faith, prophecy, healings, miracles, the gift of tongues, all these things, God. We want to see them exercised, not for our glory, but for the glory of Jesus Christ. And so it's in your name that we pray. Go before us and have your way with us. Amen.